Hi, Jamie. Hey. We having one of our technology days? Um, I don't know. I think it's Skype. I think Skype is having issues. When I signed on, when I originally opened up to try to call you, it did an update, and then it wouldn't let me connect for a while. Like, it just kept saying, call failed, call failed, call failed. Like, immediately, as soon as I hit dial. Hmm. So, I don't know. Well, you're back, Jamie, and we're here to do Mr. Robot on West Coast Project. That's right. Episode 9, in at 5. Jamie, I was asking you before we got so rudely interrupted, what is Sam Ismail up to? I don't know what the heck he's up to. It's a weird situation. You were saying, you were asking what the show's about, and I don't know, because, you know, we've always kind of said it's about the characters, right? And... I think that's probably something you and I agree on and probably most viewers agree on. But right now, it just feels like I don't know what it's about. Yeah, but I'm really kind of wondering what he's up to because he's put some spin on this. You know, is he trying to talk about, like, androids? And, like, that's the, all, that's the latest buzz on the Internet is that is Elliot an android of some kind or a robot, in fact, of some kind? Or is he trying to talk about world relations between China and the U.S. or nuclear threats or technology going south and running the world. Uh, You know, what's his message, do you think? Well, okay, so I think that my best guess is that Sam Esmail's real message is, I think the main message is what is it like to live inside this person, like to, to be Elliot? What is it like to be him? I think the rest of the stuff is social commentary that's interesting to him. And he just happens to be really freaking good at, um, you know, six months, nine months, a year ahead of time, writing stuff that's very timely and, um, you know, and, and astute. He's, a, he's an interesting social scientist. And he's a really good storyteller, so you put those both together, and it, it makes it really interesting for me to watch. And I, I still buy into this plot of, of Elliot and trying to figure out what's going on. You know, I, I don't think you kind of said it's going off the rails a little bit. I don't think it's going off the rails. I really like, I like where it's going. I don't know. I, I, I'm not super comfortable with a lot of what happened um, this episode I think last episode was harder for me. Like, I really didn't like last episode. But this one, I liked it. I just, a lot of it was really uncomfortable. It was scary. It was kind of like a horror movie in some aspects. Like the, you know, the stuff that Angela went through, I thought was really uncomfortable and scary. And I don't like what she's going through right now. It's, I don't know. I'm I'm feeling a little bit, um, I don't know, abandoned by, well, Actually, not even that. Like, I feel very much kind of handheld by our, um, you know, writer and creator this season, more so than last season even. But I think where I feel kind of lost is, um, you know, in the direction that the story's taking. I don't know if last season felt easier for me because you knew before I knew, like, you knew everything that happened in the season. So I kind of felt like I was being guided in a way, you know. Like, you knew everything. Um, So I I had faith that, you know, like, I would be happy with the ending. But this season, I don't really feel like that. I feel like that the wheels have come off of everything. And, you know, you were saying, like, and let me explain what I mean by that. I don't think the wheels have come off the show. I think the wheels have come off of, like, my ability to grip the story. It's just there's too much going on. Too much crazy stuff. Hmm. I still like the story. It's almost like watching the show of Sam Ismail doing the Mr. Robot project versus just watching this television show called Mr. Robot. Like watching him do the whole project. Like what's he going to come up with next? You know, why is he putting puzzles in everywhere and Easter eggs? And, you know, he's kind of manipulating the technology. Like, like that crossword puzzle they show in this episode is really part of an online game. And the faster, you, it's almost like the faster you watch the episode, the sooner you can get in and win that game. And it's super clever because that keeps people from, like, downloading it later from torrents and stuff. you got to kind of watch it live to have the better advantage to win the, con- 
contest and win the hoodie or whatever they're giving away. Oh, that's cool. It's really super manipulative of the technology, but it's really kind of interesting and clever, too. That is really smart. I also like watching um, him as a kind of a political scientist, just watching his, or even maybe, maybe a cultural scientist, watching his best ofs. Like he had references this time in this episode into Lost in Translation with this whispered secret trope. At the at the end of Lost in Translation, they have that whispered secret, and yeah. here we have a whispered secret from Darlene to Elliot. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought that was interesting. Um, the the whispered secret because um, to me it just it made it so sad actually because. You know, when he got out and he's standing there, I was thinking, well, is she going to hug him? And then, you know, you've got the whole, you know, interruption, really, of that intimate moment by the vehicles that are passing in front of them. Then he had he had another one with like a Pulp Fiction reference with the I need to go back and get something trope. I left something behind. I need to go back and get it. It's always Uh, trouble when that happens. Always. Um, so you can just see Sam Ismail watching these movies and liking them and putting little Easter eggs into his projects to make it like almost a salutation to what he's enjoyed as, as a viewer. Yeah. Even and like the Seinfeld, Seinfeld and Mad About You references that Leon has. You're right. I like how he talks about uh, what is Paul Reiser. He's like, he's underestimated. <laughs> so in it five, I guess, in computer terminology is the reboot. Maybe Elliot told me this. I don't know where I heard this, but Elliot's returning, kind of rebooting his life after prison. Yeah, it's weird. Um, it actually should have been two because there was a, there was an episode in it one, but now this one is instead of being like in it two, it's in it five, and I don't know what the commonality is. I don't know what the where the the other four are or the other three between the one and the five. It looks like Elliot went to jail on purpose, too, like to take a break from all the preceding crap and to escape Mr. Robot, maybe. So I don't think he did escape Mr. Robot because, you know, we we saw um, him like struggling with him mightily. Like, you know, they they had the chess match and the fight over who's, you know, going to run the show and the, the episode, you know, in the 80s and all that took place while he was in prison. As far as I'm, if I understand it clearly, you know, the story, I think maybe he just pled guilty because he was guilty. No, Elliot is a do-gooder at the end of the day. Mm, I don't know about that. I mean, he's, it seems to be a, 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 he seems to want to take the high road and be a good guy. Maybe not take the high road, but he seems to want to do good. What he believes anyway are the right things. But I think he's. I don't know. It's mysterious. He could have pled guilty and had a, you know, a suspended sentence. Instead, he's in there for three months. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know, and he got out sooner. I think he was supposed to be in there for longer than that. I think it was like four months or six months or something. Whatever the judge said. I, I thought the judge originally said something like 132 days or something, and he got out in like 82 or something like that. So it was, you know, abbreviated the the sentence. But whatever it was, I don't know. I don't know what his reasoning was. I really don't. Yeah, we had some pretty big plot reveals in this um, episode. Well, I guess we'll get to them as we go through get mm-hmm. through it, but. Like some of the, th- I guess we could talk about him. What the heck? Okay. Like Mrs. Robot, <laughs> his mom, Mrs. Yeah. Ro- whatever, there, whatever Alderson, Mrs. Alderson. She was never right. really in her own home during this own whole time. Even though Elliot was pro- projecting from prison that he was in like kind of a home setting. She, he wasn't visiting visiting her in that nursery home, nursing home, uh, during his prison fantasy time. He was visiting visiting her in like a decent looking apartment. Okay, so I don't know what the heck that was. I, I, I think that they were not showing us his mom. And, like, the, the, the woman that we've been seeing that we thought was his mother, I think was just the prison guard. And, and his mother, I think they finally showed her today. I don't think that that was the same woman. Yeah, I, I think it was the same woman. Oh, oh then I don't know. 
Yeah, I think that was the point. He's, he was envisioning his mother as his prison guard. Right, yes. But that doesn't make sense that the mother would be both the prison guard. Because, you know, they showed the prison guard today, and she's definitely younger looking than the woman who played well, his yeah, mother. Yeah, his mom's probably 50 or 60. The prison guard's probably 30, but it's the same woman. Okay. What about the big thing, Jamie? What do you think the big thing is? I think they tried to reveal it or at least partially reveal it to us. Is this big thing, the Chinese guys getting this nuclear facility going and having control of it in some American city? Or do they want the product that comes out of the nuclear facility, the, the dirty water? Or what's the big thing? It's not, it's not eliminating the world's debt anymore. Well, no. Um, it, it was never that for dark China or dark army. It was never that for them. That we actually, you actually, at the end of last season, um, asked that very question. You said, like, why are they helping um, Elliot and crew? Like, what are they getting out of it? And what we're starting to see here is the reveal of that, of the, what their motivations are. So the main thing that we know is motivation right now um, is uh, f- f- that 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 testing facility or whatever that is, the, the um, water plant or whatever it is. Um, it's, a water treatment, wants- it's a water treatment plant for an electrical power plant, but it's a nuclear powered power plant. Yeah. So, so it's putting out water that's contaminated with nuclear, the results of producing electricity right. from nuclear generators, right. which is pretty scary stuff. I mean, that could be the big reveal. That could be the real powerful thing that and when you say it's not dark army, I think it is dark army. That's what they want. They want the res- they want either control of that plant or control of the FUs that comes as a re- result of that plant being in operation. Right. Yeah. No, that's that's not what I said. I that, I'm saying that I I think that that is what they're they're doing. I think that's what um like dark army's thing is is the plant. It's not the like the whole, you know, you know, erase the debt. It's that is their motivation. It's the other thing. The thing that we didn't have any insight into um, last season. And now we're starting to see that that's exactly what it is because for um, that guy, what's the guy's name, the one who's worried about the time? White Rose. So White Rose um, went to that cemetery today and peed on that dude's grave because he is like, he doesn't, like that guy tried to the original um, CEO of um, E Corp tried to shut down that plant, and that's why he's dead. Yeah, I, I think so we, know, that, we, we know that. I'm just trying to figure out why they want control of that plant. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't I don't know. Um, but whatever whatever the reasoning is, it's a really strong reason. And White Rose is not about to let go of that of the uh, of. What it, I think White Rose is going to do whatever it takes to maintain control over that plant. No, Jamie, White Rose is very reasonable. I'm not <laughs> putting her, her, him, he, she into this. <laughs> all right, Jamie, let's knock it out. Starting out, it's another flashback. Have all these episodes started in flashback? Do you remember all this season two fla- uh, episodes? I, I think maybe so. It's another another one. It's the extended jail scene of what exactly happened to Elliot. We've got right. hints about what happened to him, but this shows specifically what happened to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and the knock on his door, it answers how season one ended. The knock on the door wasn't some mysterious party. It was just the cops coming after him. Right. And uh, not for anything serious, really. It's just the unauthorized use of a computer, computer trespass, and grand larceny for stealing the dog. Right. Dumb stuff, not that F Society stuff. Right, which is awesome. But Elliot pleads guilty on the video cam for mysterious reasons. And because the dog is a $1,200 dog, it's a felony. That's right. And because Elliot hacked um, not only this dude's um, social media accounts, but also his bank account, then that's another like felony crime or something um, on top of it, which means he's going to do time. And Elliot didn't care. But what I was going to tell you is like when he was in interrogation, when they were doing intake or whatever of him, 
um, at the police station, and the cop was asking him those rote questions about, like, are you on drugs and whatnot. He, he said to him, and how are you feeling or how are you or something, and Elliot's like, great. <laughs> and I just thought that was really weird, out of place, and kind of funny. And I wonder why, why he said that, like what he meant. Yeah, that whole scene of Elliot checking in a prison had to be, or jail, I guess it really isn't prison, but jail had to be horrible right. for him. The guy who doesn't even like getting hugged from people. Yeah. Um, but he gets caught, he gets, we see his, uh, his uh, trial or his whatever, his sentence through the video, clo- his closed circuit video with the judge. And he gets sentenced to 18 months in county jail. Uh-huh. And Mr. Robot invades that video stream and pokes his head in front of the camera like, are you crazy? What are you trying to, what do you think you're doing here? Right. You're crazy. And then we get the trope of the first day in jail, which is always like a horrifying thing to watch. Whenever I watch that, I think about like I put myself in whoever person's shoes it is is getting checked into jail. Like, oh, how horrible that would be. Yeah, that would have to be really like the worst. It reminds me, you know, I had I had surgery twice last year. And, um, like, you know, when you go to the hospital that to me, that kind of reminds me of like what prison or like checking into jail must be like, because you lose all your possessions. They take everything from you, including all your clothes and everything. And it's just this weird experience of like being in an institution where people have like total control over you and you know you don't have anything personal so it just kind of like that hit my mind yeah when you were talking that, about- that part of it's the same but you're not eyeballing sidewise all the people looking at you like measuring you up and figuring out how you're de- going to defend yourself from those people and who's going to well, sneak no. up to you and beat you up or rape you or hurt you I think it's uh, uncomfortable going into a hospital and checking in and some of the stuff's the same, but man, it's just, it's just horrible thinking about checking into a jail like that. Well, yeah, I mean, no, it it couldn't possibly be the same. I'm just talking about like losing all your possessions and stuff and getting basically like processed, you know, through the system. That's all I mean. Well, maybe you were in a prison jail, a prison hospital, Jamie. Maybe. (laughs) Uh, anyway, we see Ray as the warden. He meets Leon. Leon gives him the key. Routine. Routine is the key. Breakfast, ball court, TV time. And there's mm-hmm. no internet. It's all DVDs. Yep. Don't be nervous. You're still you. Yeah, I liked that. I really liked that. I thought that was such great advice and such great writing. You know? We got to remember that Leon is Dark Army. Okay, so do we know that? Well, he took out those dudes and he said, give my good wishes to, what's White her name? Rose. White Rose. Yeah, Remember no. me well to White Rose. Yeah. Think he's an so associate or an ally of, of uh, the Dark Army somehow. Ooh, and we found out that you were right. You were right about Ray. Well, again, only right by reading <laughs> uh, tinfoil hat theories that turned out to be right that other people cooked up. <laughs> So here's where he sees those white supremacist dudes, and you were saying something. I can't remember which part of this got recorded and which didn't, but you said something about the Ku Klux Klan. No. I said um, that um, Leon was saying, um, um, stay away from those David Duke types. And I thought it was just so um, timely, you know, um, of Ismail. The, The guy has just got a golden pen, really, because he did this last season. Do you remember that? He did the thing with the, um, uh, what is that that website where people who want to have an affair? Remember? There was a yeah, big deal Ashley about that. Madison. Right. So he had written that in before the whole scandal happened and then taken it. He took it. They took it out of the episode because they thought it was a little too overboard. And then when the whole scandal happened, they were like, oh, heck, well, let's put it back in. And they had already written and filmed that like months before. Um, and then, you know, here we have, you know, Leon making this reference to David Duke types. And David Duke has been all over the political news lately, like right in the last several weeks. It's just he's he's got a, he's really got a talent for that. So Leon says, I'll get you anything you might need. And Elliot says, can you get me a notebook? And then the mom guard slams his door. Right. And Elliot tells us that's how it all happened. That's all. That's everything you missed. Mm-hmm. And his notebook burns. Yeah. 
So uh, pretty interesting, a little catch up there. Some people didn't like this. I liked it. I mean, some people were saying it's it's okay. You don't have to hit us over the head with this. We know now that he was in jail. You didn't have to show him being in jail and show Ray as the warden. But I liked it. I like seeing it. Well, okay. So I I don't know. I mean, I feel like, you know, people might not have liked it. They they might have felt like it was maybe a little bit, um, a little too on the head, you know, a little too on the nose. But I'm with you. I liked it. Um, I thought it was a great opportunity to kind of have a real vision into, you know, what he went through. And I think it was good that Esmail did it because it showed that he wasn't doing this twist to take the easy way out and not have to shoot a bunch of prison scenes and, um, you know, and go and, you know, write the story of him, Elliot getting processed through. Like it was all there. He had it. He just really wanted to tell something different from a different point of view. I like I've always liked flashbacks. I, I don't mind seeing them even if I know what's happening or know what has already happened. I, I just like seeing the confirmation of what I have in my memory or my imagination. I like watching them. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So next he's checking out of prison early. He's got early release apparently doing uh, due to the F Society hack screwing up all the money and all the prison's budget and the ability to run the prison. So they let a bunch of guys out early. But also there's the implication that Dark Army had something to do with it. Yeah, so I was there with you on that. Like, I, I thought the same thing. But um, again, that's another moment of Sam Esmail being, like, ahead of the curve and, like, hitting the nail right on the head because what's happening right now? What's happening right now is exactly, exactly what the the lines were um, that, um, that Esmail wrote is exactly what's happening because right now Obama is um, commuting the sentences of all of these nonviolent offenders, just exactly the words that Esmail used. Um, all these people are being released from prison. Um, and so I thought it was just another super magical, timely reference, you know, that he wrote before this started happening. He's out after 86 days of his 180-day sentence. Right. Or 18-month sentence, whatever that is. Longer than that. 18 months is a year and a half. Yeah, 18 months. So he gets out at 86 days, and Mr. Robot meets him outside, and then Carly Chaikin or Darlene meets him. And I like the way she hugs him. I I thought that was a really super warm, loving greeting she gave him. I'm with you, too, but I felt like that that, that scene had so many levels to it. It was just really beautiful scene. One of my favorite um, of the season, actually, because, you know, when she first sees him, she doesn't like go up and hug him like a normal person would. She just kind of stands there and hands him the bag and then it's got a sandwich in it. He starts eating. And I'm thinking right at that moment, like, are you going to hug him? And then she kind of leans in and she does. And you see it, you know, between these, you know, the passing through, like in the in the foreground of these vehicles, you see her like put her arms around him, like for real, and hug him tight. And then you see him put his arms around her and like pull her in tight and hug her, like he's really hugging his sister. And then you see her like whispering, like you know, talking, doing the whisper in his ear. And I thought, well, gosh, you know, that's not a healing moment for Elliot. That's another moment of like, this is why people shouldn't hug, you know, <laughs> kind of thing, like. I, I'm getting a hug from my sister. I'm thinking it's just a connection. And then, you know, all of a sudden I'm getting all this bad news in my ear. Why do you think it's bad news? Because <laughs> why else would she be whispering it? Well, there's nobody there. She could say it. She's keeping it from us. I don't know. I don't know. Or maybe it was just, a, you know, like an homage. I don't know. But I just thought it was just another moment. Like, you know, Elliot can't ever have comfort it's always got to be, you know, laced with bad. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think it was bad news. I have no reason to think it was bad or good or anything. I just thought it was an intimacy. Like at any time you might whisper something like that, it's probably something, you know, I'm guessing as much as you are because I have no idea what she whispered. But I'm thinking it was probably like, uh, you, you know, you're, you're going to be okay. You can get back to where you were in life and everything's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. That's something you would whisper you wouldn't need to whisper, they're, they're right around the corner and they're going to be careful. Don't look to the left because she could just say that to him. You know what? That's really I'm going to I'm going to go with your take on it. I like that much better. It's really sweet. Goes hand in hand with the hug. Yeah, you're right. 
You're right. I like it. So we jump to Angela. She's hacking her own boss's computer with that rubber ducky thing that sucks up the passwords and login data, will login information. That's right. Um, in order to do that, she has to get to his computer. So she tells the secretary, I have some sensitive Flint water case docs I need to deliver to, I think his name is Mr. Green. Uh, mm -hmm. Only through your hands, only to you directly. So come on and get it. Come on down and get it. And when that girl leaves, she goes and jumps into the computer. Right. Some guy sees her doing this, uh, Jamie, and thinks that she's the secretary then. That's right. Kind of shows that dark, that uh, dark, dark corp, evil corp doesn't even know who works for each other. Yeah. He thinks she's uh, Price's secretary. Mm-hmm. Calls her Monica, calls her by the wrong name. Not Price, the, the other guy, the new guy. Green, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's normal. If you work for a big company, you could very easily call, um, you know, think somebody in a room or an office is somebody else. That's normal. So she gets, the, she gets in there, gets the, she takes that login information back to her computer and then logs in as Joseph Green and gets all the stuff on his computer. Mm -hmm. The stuff she essentially asked for when she was going to be the, the assistant in that conference room. So right. legal, legal statements regarding the fracking case, witnesses, briefings, contamination reports. She, and then mm -hmm. she copies it all onto her own flash drive. Yep. I thought that's what she was doing. She was copying it from one flash drive to another? Or No, 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 no. Did she, she only make one copy of it? She only made one copy, and that other flash drive, I think, was acting almost like a VPN because I think what she did was basically, like, steal, like, basically, like, his desktop, like, his access, his, his um, profile, and then, like, plug it into her computer where she could, like, operate basically his computer but from a safe location – I think that's what that other that rubber ducky flash drive was, and so she just used it to copy that file that she needed to the other flash drive, the second one. Yeah, because when she gives away that flash drive to the uh, Nuclear Regulatory Commission, I was thinking, ah, you got, don't worry, she has a copy, but she, I guess she doesn't have a copy. Nah. All right, so go back to Elliot and Darlene. She's learning of stage two from hacking Dark Army, and she can't reach Mobley or Trenton. And Elliot says they were behind my early release, I guess meaning Dark Army. And right. Go, they go to see his mother as a supposed fake trip to lose any potential tales to visit to mom at the nursing home. Oh, is that what that was? I think so. He says something like that. Okay. Well, they're trying to, they're taking trains and doing some stuff, but Elliot tells his mother, a lot's happened since I last saw you. I just wanted to say thank you. You've helped me survive. Mm -hmm. I think just in memory, because she was kind of catatonic. She didn't. It wasn't a conversation. That's right. She's non-responsive. So next is a cemetery scene. It's cool rainy umbrellas through the rainy, hilly cemetery. Uh-huh. And uh, it's the CEO of E Corp from previously, from 1986 to 1995, Lester somebody. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's Price and Zhang, Price, or Price and White Rose. Um, uh, not, not yet. Um, this is White Rose with that dude, with, that, like, his assistant or whatever. Price isn't there yet. Oh, I thought that was Price. White Rose, um, this is where White Rose pees on the grave. Yeah, with Price. Not with Price. It's with his, like, assistant or whatever. And then later on, then White Rose is in that same area, like with the umbrellas. I don't know. Later on, it's raining. At this point, it's not raining yet. I thought this was always Price with White Rose. Well, what, whenever White Rose pees on the grave, she's with her assistant. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. The, the assistant is that Shun guy, that X-U-N guy, Chun or yes. Shun. Yes. Okay. I thought this was Price. I might be. I guess I might be wrong, but I thought this was like the veiled threat to Price. Like this, this poor guy was killed in a plane accident. He was going to kill my project, but now he's here and my project's still alive. Then she right. pisses on the grave and says, "I might have to take these same actions again." And right. I thought that was a veiled threat to Price, but maybe she's just just uh, thinking out loud with June or June. That's right. 
All right, back to Elliot. He, he explains in at five, in at five, supposed, supposedly a simple, fresh start, restored connections. And uh, one of those pleasures of being out of prison is taking a piss in private. So it goes right from White Rose I, pissing to Elliot pissing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. And um, I thought it was really kind of fascinating that um, that Elliot. Oh, God, don't tell me now. Now, you just made me think about something. I wonder if it's possible that White Rose is also Elliot. No. I really hope not. No. Too many oh. other people are trying to be Elliot. Huh. Tyrell and Darlene and Mr. Robot and whoever whoever else. <laughs> but I think of White Rose as White Rose. White Rose and Jang, that's enough. To, to, those two are together. Okay. But I think it's just a clever transition from White Rose taking a piss to Elliot taking a piss. Yeah, I guess so. And she's, he's at Darlene's doing this. And she's arguing about stage two with Cisco and Mr. Robot. While Elliot's taking a piss, Mr. Robot's in another room arguing. Yeah, yelling. And Elliot sees this and then morphs statically into himself, I guess, or Mr. Robot in the other room. Right. And then uh, Cisco tells Elliot, you better be more reliable than your sister. And Mr. Robot asks Elliot what just happened. <laughs> you shut down and I had to, stay, I had to say something in, in your stead while you were away. Yeah. So yeah, I guess like that's Elliot's what like, I, that's what has people thinking like is Elliot a robot or some sort of android? He shut down, he had to reboot and while he was doing that his second profile and his android skin kicked in and that's Mr. Robot. Oh god. I hope it's not that. I hope he's just split the guy has split personality. Well, I mean if you think about, you know, like in it 1 and then in it 5 and I don't know, that kind of makes a little sense. All right, so next is White Rose and Price, Jamie. So Price says there's been unfortunate events. The bailout failure has put me in a difficult position with E-Corp. As of noon this Friday, Washington Township plant will be taken over by the government. And White Rose says you remind me of your predecessor. And Price says veiled threats. Uh, those are just veiled threats. A new director will not change things. Yeah, he says, yeah, he, and he says it was such like derision and like, um, you know, like, like, um, almost disgust, you know, he's like, Oh, here comes the veiled death threat, you know, kind of thing. Like, yeah, just whatever, you know, like, I'm so tired of hearing you whine or, you know, so <laughs> it was just, it was kind of badass, like, you know, his response, um, you know, and I, I loved, um, that monologue that, that uh, Price delivered, you know, the thing about he's a mercenary and, um, you know, when you're playing with mercenaries, order goes out the window. And if you mess with me, I'll rain down chaos on you. It was really good. So I'm still disoriented from having to adjust thinking that the first guy she was talking with wasn't Price and it was June or June. Uh -huh. So how does Price get to the graveyard? Yeah, I don't know that part, but I know it's raining at that point. So, and I don't know if they're in the graveyard or if they're in like a park or something, because basically what you see is like, you know, that they're um, uh, standing at a fence and facing each other with umbrellas. So I don't know, because it wasn't raining earlier. Interesting. So Price says a new director will not change things, and White Rose kind of rolls her eyes and says, I came 13 hours here for this. Right. And he tells her, Price tells her, I need cash at zero interest rate as a gesture of goodwill. And this can save your plant. I don't play mm -hmm. fair. I'm a mercenary. And I'll, I'll get what I want or I'll burn the whole thing down. I'll rain chaos even if it hurts myself, hurts me myself. Because I'd rather see you lose than win myself. And uh, by the way, at this point, White Rose wasn't dressed like a woman anymore. He was dressed like a guy. So that, that kind of gives us the idea that time has passed between the time that, he, that White Rose was in the graveyard and the time that White Rose meets with Price. So I don't know where they were exactly, but I know that there was a passage of time because he was now like dressed like a dude. But yeah, that was a great speech, really great speech. So uh, I guess what Price wants is a direct loan from the Chinese right to E-Corp so they can have the plant 
Although I still don't know why E Corp want, or not E Corp, but why White Rose wants this plant. Uh, yeah, and I don't know what it is. I mean, I, you know, the only thing I can think of is that, um, you know, I, I don't know. Like she's got some sort of crazy experiment going. So even the even the team, the F Society team, doesn't know because they talk about it. We never knew the real intent of Dark Army, or maybe they're saying that because now they think they know. But we never knew the real intent of Dark Army, and they have this Pony Express uh, Pone phone. And it's a phone loaded with 103 internet attack profiles or attack uh, scripts. Did you know anything about that technology, Jamie? Uh, no. I didn't. And I didn't look it up. It didn't even occur to me. I, I've been so, like, trying to just keep up with the story. Like, I haven't felt very much interest in looking up all the, you know, the, the Easter egg type stuff and the, like, little background things because the story has kept me like occupied well so they talk about it this little pone phone pony express phone is a dream for pen testers and i guess it can penetrate other phones and other data and they the f society group talks about how june's boss is white rose he's the guy who wanted the femto cell and so they're gonna they're gonna hack this june guy to find out why uh to find out what makes the phone mic live somehow so they can get into they can also listen to june and white rose essentially right and that's what they do and that's what what's happening when um like later on when um darlene is listening like that's the reason she's doing it yeah elliot's going to go into them stir it all up and get them to talk about and, and then leave and then get them to talk about you know, what they're really up to, I guess, and then they can try to find out what they're really up to. But this is Mr. Robot talking about this plan, and Darlene knows Mr. Robot, right? Darlene seems to recognize and, and isolate Mr. Robot from Elliot. Um, Doesn't okay, she call, so I, even say Mr. Robot for the first time? I don't think so, but I know Elliot says he he's going in as Mr. Robot. And Cisco's like, what? <laughs> or no, Elliot's like, Mr. Robot's going in. And Cisco's like, what? And then Elliot's like, uh, never mind. Me, I mean, I'm going in. <laughs> and then Mr. Robot says, something's happening with us. Yeah. So this is a total mind bender to keep all this stuff straight. Essentially, they're going to let the microphone get live on June's phone. He's going to hear everything that's going so they can hear everything going on between June and his boss, White Rose, and kind of figure out what's going on. Right. That's about all I can reduce it to. I can't get my arms around everything, everything else going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's about where mine leaves off, too. So Angela takes the data that she got from Green's computer to the Nuclear Regu- Regulatory Commission and gets told to sit here and wait for hours, I guess. And she finally gets into somebody who tells her, this is really big. How did you get this? And Angela just tries to confirm most of it. Like, the level, these levels are above toxic, right? And the guy she's meeting with says, we're bound to protect, our, we're bound to protect your anonymity. Doesn't really answer her, but just kind of fluffs her, keeps her, like, arm's length away. No, 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 no. He does answer her. He says something like it's, like, four times the legal limit. Like, he actually gives her some feedback on it. And he's like, this is just what we're looking for. Like, this is really going to help. Hmm. So I get the impression this guy was, like, in the evil corp fold. Because he's like, hang out right here. I want, you know, just just stick around. Angela says, I want this to happen fast. And he says, I'll be right back. Stick around. And she's like, she's suspicious. She's Mm -hmm. like, well, this is bullshit. You make me sit. Now you want me to stick around while you get a cell ready for me down in the basement. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. I think she got tipped off to something that she, that these people at the regulatory commission were on the take from evil Corp. Well, I don't know if that's what she was thinking. I think she got freaked out though. Um, you know, because she's sitting there really, it seemed like to me, like it went from day to night and, you know, she's still sitting there and there are these cameras on her. And then this weird woman comes in and, you know, is being creepy and trying to get her to go and talk to her colleagues. And it's just really, it was a, such a creepy, creepy feel, you know, it, it was really great. Um, the way that it was acted and the way that it was shot 
because it really made you feel that feeling of like, nah, I'm, I'm out. Let me out. I'm getting out of here. Yeah. It was definitely creepy, but I want to know why it was creepy. Well, me like, too. like what? Like if she, if Angela's instincts were right, and they really were going to stick her in a room and like keep her there, lock her up or something, why did they just let her walk out? Right. So I don't think that they were. I think that Angela is getting like really super stressed out and worried. Um, but I don't know that everything was on on the surface and above board either. So you know, and I don't know that we'll know for a while yet. Um, but uh, I, I, you know, I thought it was effective. Yeah, I guess I need to know more. I mean, I, it's hard to have all these open-ended mysteries. Yes. Yeah, so I, th- I, I don't know. I thought I thought she was going to be detained by these people somehow, and she's like, screw it, I'm out of here before anything else. Before this gets any deeper, I'm just out of here. Because they didn't want her to leave, but they didn't do much to stop her. Yeah, maybe they, they couldn't, because, you know, the law, like, you know, the government is usually, like, you know, they can't, they have to have a certain amount of evidence or whatever, or they have to be ready to charge you or they can't hold you. And the EPA, as far as I know, is um, what they call, it's like, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a GSE, I think is what it's called, um, a government-sponsored entity. And um, it's like, you know, other government-type organizations like Fannie Mae and, um, you know, um, businesses. Like, they're basically businesses but they're sponsored by the government. And I think the EPA is one of those. Yeah, but who's adhering to rules in this? No, I'm saying, I'm, I'm saying like, you know, they can't just like be evil and just hold her is all I'm saying. Okay, then what were they trying to do? Um, I, I think that they may have, I, I don't know. They were just trying to maybe wear her down until she was tired. And she's like, look, I know what you're doing. You're doing X, Y, and Z. They just wanted to get her to admit what she knew? No. I, I mean, I don't know that there's really any reason to presume that they were up to something that was nefarious or sinister or, you know, I, I think it's possible that they were just doing their job and it was just taking all freaking day because they're a government agency and, you know, maybe the lady was just being creepy because she's just a creepy kind of chick and Angela misunderstood because she's... She could have just taken a trip to the DMV or something. They weren't just showing us Angela getting run through the system in a slow glacial pace. This Nuclear Regulatory Commission, this scene was there to show us that they're in the pockets of E-Corp somehow. And and they're getting tipped off that Angela knows something and they're trying to find out what she knows so they can give it right back to E-Corp. It's got to be that. It can't just be like, oh, you're here, you're in our bureaucracy. Now you got to just go through our slow ass process. There's no story value to that. Here's the thing. Um, The thing about this story that brought up something to my mind is um, the list of names that um, Romero had that Dominic's name was on. Because when she showed up at Angela's apartment later... And she's all like, you know, trying to, um, her tact was so different and really kind of weird and creepy. It made me wonder, you know, like Angela said, I think she said, are you working for them? I, maybe she is. Yeah, Angela's smart. She's in, she's on the stuff. She, these guys gave her a hinky feeling and she shut it down. She's like, okay, I'm out of here. You're right. They can't do anything. They can't. They can't call the regulatory commission police department in that building and lock her in a cell. But they wanted her to tell them more. She got hinked up and left. Like, I'm out of here. I'm, I get what's going on here. I'm out of here. But I think that's the implication is that they're sort of in the pockets of E-Corp and they're part of the U.S. government. So that, that just shows how evil E-Corp really is because it has such great reach. Right. And, and why, um, you, know, um, you know, Angela's you know, kind of thinking maybe Dominique works for E-Corp as well as the FBI. Hmm. I didn't get that. Angela said to Dominique, do you work for them? I think she was asking Dominique, do you work for E-Corp? Because Dominique on the surface is an FBI agent. But I wonder if there's something else below the surface because the way that she was with Angela tonight was so weird. Yeah, I think there might be some sort of mysterious romance brewing between Angela and and Dominique, 
But I think Dominique's straight shooter, straight, pure and good. Okay. Well, she seemed that way like a few episodes ago, but to this this episode, it just was so weird. Mm, she's always weird. I mean, she's got that affectation with like suckers and lollipops and who knows why that is. And I think she's kind of hitting on Angela. So I think there's a hint of a romance underneath that. And she's got a crazy, you know, psychotic nightlife where she's online and she can't sleep and she's quirky, but I think she's totally on the up and up. Okay. So next scene, Jamie Elliott's on the train and there's some madman Casio playing loon playing a keyboard. Yeah. Uh, and Elliot sees the dudes in the next car, but one of those dudes is Mr. Robot <laughs> and with Cisco. He sees essentially himself in the next car. Yeah. And uh, But the train door's locked, and he can't reach them. And then he jumps back to normal again, and he's with Cisco. So uh, yeah, I, I can see why this – I can see why you didn't like this episode. It's like playing on all your least favorite parts of Mr. Robot, <laughs> yeah. jumping from reality to, to fantasism. Fanat, fan, whatever, whatever that word is, I'm searching for. Mm-hmm. Fantastical, mm-hmm. fantastical, uh, unbelievable things. Mm-hmm. Phantasmagorical. So, uh-huh. Phantasmagorical. <laughs> so on the pawn phone, the Pony Express phone, they listen to Chun uh, talk about sexual exploits in the hotel. Mm-hmm. Nancy Grace is on TV talking about this ha- hacking that the FBI is spying on people. Wait. So do you remember what Jean said? He's all like, yeah, so I was getting down with this chick and, you know, it was just so weird. I had to stop because no matter how hot she was, she had five toes that were all the exact same length. <laughs> that is pretty hot. What? No, I have no idea why that's a turn on anybody. No, it was, sure. turn, it was a turn off. And he was saying she was so hot, but it didn't matter because once he got down to her toes, she had five toes that were all the same exact same length. Well, I guess that would be a relative turn off. That'd be it's weird. like a pod pod footed person. <laughs> right. So Nancy Grace on TV is talking about hacking and the FBI spying on everybody. And she's like the total, I guess they're implying here that she's the total right winger that the, the FBI needs, the FBI needs to do these things to catch these people by any means. Well, yeah, that's what Nancy Grace is about, right? She's all about like catch the bad guy. Right. But you'd think a fair and equal reporter would say, I can't believe the FBI is doing this unfair, illegal practice of spying on people without warrants. She's she's totally injected her opinion into it. Well, that's how she runs her stuff. I wonder why she agreed to play this role. It's kind of insulting to herself. I don't know. Maybe she I... just embraces it. Maybe. I don't know. I, I haven't watched Nancy Grace in so long, so I don't know if she's still like that. Does she still have a show? I don't know. I doubt it. Well, then that's probably why she's doing it. She's happy to be on TV. Maybe she just totally embraces it. The FBI does need to do anything, including spying on people without their knowledge. Maybe. Because a lot of people do think that. Maybe. Yeah, you're right. So next scene is a really cool library where Elliot, Sisko, and June and the dual masky guys, these guys who wear those dual Chinese masks, mm-hmm. are all together. And Chun says, what the fuck is going on? Elliot says, tell White Rose I want to know what stage two is. Mm-hmm. Although later on we find out that Elliot is the creator creator of Stage Two, right? So I don't get that statement. Well, yeah. I mean, it's because he doesn't know what the hell's going on. Yeah, but that doesn't help us as freaking viewers of this show. That's right. That's why I'm mad. <laughs> Elliot's greatest advantage in all of this is that he he appears super weak, and people underestimate him. He appears like a nut job. Like a geeky, crazy, nutjob kid. Mm-hmm. And even if he is that, he's more than that. That's right. But I don't know. I don't, I don't like, and now I'm agreeing with you, Jamie. I don't like when he does that. Tell White Rose I want to know what stage two is, even though I created it. Right. <laughs> is he faking these dudes out, or is he, is he just not knowledgeable about himself? No, he doesn't know what the hell's going on. Well, that's not good. That's unacceptable. 
You know, and then you've got all these scenes where he's like, he's sitting there, he's looking at Mr. Robot. And then when he's in the apartment with Darlene later, like he's laying back on the sofa. And then all of a sudden, like Mr. Robot's there instead. And then Elliot's sitting on the chair across looking at the scene like, what the hell? I'm watching Mr. Robot, who's me, talking to Darlene. And I'm sitting here from the opposite side perspective, like I'm looking in from the outside. It's crazy. Oh, man. Yeah. All right, so Angela's in the FBI office waiting, and she notices the camera, and then the lights flicker. Jamie, it's brownouts. They have brownouts since the electric company went on strike, apparently because of the budget and the money situation that Elliot created, mm-hmm. F Society created. Mm-hmm. The deputy director comes in, Director Phelps, and greets her, and she says, we're indebted to citizens like you. Are you from New York or New Jersey? And you work at E Corp, Yes. And Angela says, I never said that. How do you kind of thinking kind of how do you know that? Mm-hmm. And Phelps says, the earlier we know the origins of these documents, the quicker we can process them. And Angela says, can I just get my files and drive back? So you're right, Jamie. I did jump this scene earlier, huh? Mm-hmm. This is all messed up now. This is where she gets hinky and says, can I just get my files and drive back? I don't want to miss my train. Mm-hmm. And the dude says, but my colleagues are waiting to talk to you. It's and a, Angela it's a, says, no, thanks. I just got to go. Right. Yeah. It's that weird woman with the with the, um, you know, the short haircut. And um, and she's all like, yeah, so my, my colleagues would really uh, you know, like to talk to you. And then Angela looks down that long hallway. That's all dark. And she's like, nah, that's all right. I'm done. I'm outie. So it looks like E-Corp, like I was trying to figure out, owns the pocket. They're in the pocket or the regulatory commissions in the pockets of E-Corp. But. But why does the Dark Army, and this is a question I've asked this whole podcast episode, why do they want what's coming from this nuclear plant? Is it nuclear threats? They want to own the plant somehow and have a nuclear advantage where they can do a meltdown or something? Or do they want the materials? Well, I think we have the answer because I think White Rose has said in this episode that she's doing experiments there. Yeah, do you think White Rose masterminded the accident at the White Plains plant just like she masterminded the plane accident? Maybe. You know, or is this is this just all like the huge chess master game, like Elliot versus White Rose? Because they use the word mastermind a lot in chess master. It's like a it's like a chess game. Maybe. I mean, that would make sense, but I don't know what the. I don't know. I guess we'll have to find out. So next we have our Pulp Fiction trope moment. Darlene and Elliot and Cisco. Darlene says to Cisco, we have to go back to the lawyer's house and get my video. I left my faces on that tape and I forgot it there. Mm-hmm. It's our lawyer chick's name. Oh, God. I don't remember. Susan. Yeah. I don't remember. The girl that drowned in her own pool got a heart attack. So Cisco's going to do it. He's going to go back. Mm-hmm. And that's when he runs into Zed in the basement. No, just kidding. Oh. He runs into uh he well he doesn't run into anybody. I'm making a too I'm making trying too hard to make a joke. <laughs> He's going to be her hero and go do it. Go and get the tape. Mhm. So, as Darlene's talking to Elliot, he turns into Mr. Robot back to Elliot, flicker flicker more a couple times. Mhm. And now Angela at home, the doorbell rings and it's Dominique with some gyros. Right. Mind if I come in? Don't worry, I left my handcuffs at home. Nice place you got here. They really take good care of you, huh? Almost sarcastically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is here's where you here's where you're right, Jamie. She asks, "Are you working for them?" And Dominique says, "Who?" And she just tries to throw her out. I need you to leave. Angela says, "I need you to leave." And then Dominique reveals a dream she had, maybe a dream she has often. I had this dream. It was good at first, exciting and sexy, but then it went downhill fast. I'm being choked underwater. Mm-hmm. Ollie told me about the CEO of Allsafe. I think she's talking about Gideon. And your visit to the Nuclear Regulatory Commission today, you're freaking out about something. I don't know all of it yet. I don't pretend to know all of it yet, but I'm going to connect the dots. And I'll help you, yeah. but the next person won't. Yeah, she says they'll pull you over on the side of the road, pull you off, yank you off the street and stick you in a dark cell. Yeah, so I still trust Dominique, though. 
Yeah. Any chick that brings gyros can't be all bad. <laughs> all right. You think there was a jab in there, Jamie, about the about the guy who wanted to take her on a date to a Greek place around the corner? Uh, maybe. Dominique now talks about her drowning dream and says, when I stopped struggling is when I survived. Right. These are her business card to connect with her. Mm-hmm. So I th- this this thing is that implies to me that she has this dream often and she figured out like on the hundredth time that once she stopped struggling is how she survived it. Well, I think the whole point of it was to basically say to Angela, stop fighting, just cooperate with me. I think she wants to help her though too. I think she's friendly and she cares for Angela. And, I don't know. And she maybe cared attracted for. to her. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. All right, now Cisco's at that lawyer Susan's Palmer's or whatever her name is house, and here's gets the tape. Then he hears some heavy breathing on the couch. Is that what that was? Yeah. Who the hell is that that we didn't see? I don't know. Maybe it's Susan. Oh, I never thought of that. Or I was thinking maybe Mobley. Or I don't know. Trenton. Maybe. Or Tyrell. I don't think Trenton (laughs) and, uh, yeah, maybe Tyrell. Just name everybody that's missing. (laughs) Right. Yeah, maybe it's Mr. Robot. I don't know. So back with Darlene. Now she's observing the translation from Chun's phone. It says, been waiting for you. The train was delayed. You know, you know how they are about time. Uh-huh. Then there are sounds of steps. And somebody says he brought him who Elliot wanted to know what stage two is. Uh-huh. And stage two is Elliot's plan. Yeah. Yeah. Like White Rose is like, that doesn't make any sense. And then June is like, why? And White Rose is like, because it's Elliot's idea. It's his baby. Way back in the early part of the season... We got um, in one of the flashbacks with Elliot talking about how this follow through is the most important part of their mission. Too bad he doesn't remember it now or he can't tell us what it means. But see, this is the problem when you try to upend the world's financial systems and you have DID. Shouldn't do that. Incompatible. Yeah. (laughs) So we hear, give me your phone and then it it's clean. Uh, Elliot says, began as a failure, my existence. I talked to you about my invisible friend. Elliot says, essentially, he began as a failure. His whole existence was a failure. Then there's more brownout activity. A knock on the door. Darlene opens it. And wah, wah. (laughs) Cliffhanger. Who's at the door? (laughs) Dark Army people. Trenton and Mobley. Tyrell, again, the whole list of the missing people. Oh, God, yes. Then at Elliot's, he sees that SUV outside his apartment. He goes up to it, and it's Joanne, Joanna Wellick. Right. And Elliot's all like, this is why I shouldn't fuck around with stuff. <laughs> well, she greets him as Hello, Ollie, because he introduced himself to her as Ollie way back. Right. That's so crazy. So how did she find him, Jamie? I don't know. If she doesn't even know his correct name. How did she find where he lives? I <laughs> Tyrell? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But that was the cliffhanger, the third cliffhanger. Crazy, right? And that was it for episode nine, in it five. That's episode correct. 10 is hidden process. What the hell could that mean? I don't know. I've given up trying to guess. And episode 10 is not the last episode. There's 12 episodes. That's right. There's two more weeks, episode 10 and then 11 and 12 are on the same, I think the same night. It's double, it's another double night. Double episode night. That's right. Python part one and two. (laughs) All right, Jamie, any shit you wish you said? You you never know until later, right? Yep. Wishisaidthatshit.com, right? Yeah. All right. How do we reach you on the internet besides that place? I'm on Twitter and I'm at WordGirly. And I'm at Scathing Tweets. Awesome, Mike. All right, Jamie, let's see how this recording goes. All right. Might I'll take s- some stitching and sewing to get this one to fly. Might. <laughs>